This episode is brought to you by Voodoo Ranger. It's beer. It's hoppy, trend-setting, innovative, served with a little sarcasm, just like Paperhouse Network. Paperhouse Network is hoppy? Uh, yeah? It's like beer for your ears. Get yourself a Voodoo Ranger! Opening night. It's opening night. It's Max Bialystok's latest show. Or will it go? The cast is taking its final bow. Here comes the audience now. Broadway! Uh, welcome to the Pinch Music Podcast, episode number 70. Today we are doing wow. Broadway, which is a uh, street in a lot of towns, mm-hmm. it's but it's also uh, a place where dreams come true and dreams go to die Mm -hmm. it is musicals today we're doing musicals i'm joined here as part of the paper house network at pinch recording in long island city by my co-hosts the one who he likes to hang nick angelo nick how are you i'm great scott i since this is musical though should we talk like this nick is the one who likes to hang hang i'm doing a lot of jazz hands that you guys can't see actually and uh the man who eats pickles for breakfast and dinner jim thank you so much for that intro wow you've been working on your voice yeah you sound like an angel slowly dying thanks scott yeah you sound like an angel Ah, that's meatloaf the musical was there a musical about meatloaf there the, should be well, the, the Rocky, dinner. Did I just? <laughs> I mean, Rocky Horror Picture Show count? No, no. You almost. You. Might... I think there was. Was it called like Bad Out of Hell or something like there that? There was. I think. Can this yeah. just be the episode we're done? That was good. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. We don't have look. Full disclosure. I think if you've listened to the sixty-nine episodes before this, you probably have a good idea that the three of us aren't gigantic theater Broadway. Uh, musical guys. Now that doesn't mean that we disrespect it or dislike it, but I know I can't really talk no. knowledgeable about it. It's definitely uh, I a, love musical a genre that I've gotten into since yeah. moving to New York, but I can't sit here and talk about it like intellectually. So I mean, Jim, you said you love yeah. musicals, but I mean, how well do you know them? Oh, well, definitely better than a guy off the street. I'm not, like, way into theater, going to see everything. But I think I grew up listening to all the musicals that that were big because my mom was really into it. Mm. You know, every time I'd take a trip with my family to New York City, we would go see one or two Broadway plays. And I I really liked them. I really connected them because of that. It was Jim's idea to do a Broadway playlist. So yeah. tell me, why did you want to do a Broadway playlist? Well, as our listeners may know, we've been a little delayed because of work, etc., with getting these out. But Broadway has just reopened. We wanted to do this coinciding with the reopening of Broadway, which happened last month, which has been, you know, it, Broadway and musicals is one of the biggest cultural things in New York City. This is why so many people come to New York and visit. It's one of the big things they do. They go to Times Square. They check out a musical, drop tons of money on our city, make it very economically vibrant city. Stand in the TTS um, line for hours. Yeah, I mean, and Broadway's... It, it's been shut down for a year and a half. Yeah. And, and Broadway is such a huge part mm-hmm. of this. You know, like, uh, we're in the entertainment industry, and we've been waiting for Broadway to reopen because it brings so many tourists to yeah. New York City. Yeah, I was in... I was actually 
in Times Square last night for the first time in I don't know how long. Were there people there? And I was like, it felt good. I'm like, wow, like all these idiot tourists are here and I love them so much. Oh, so yeah. they're back. Yeah. yeah. So why is it street from clubs then? I was across the street from... <laughs> They're all at Broadway. I, I was across the street from Hamilton. I'm like, wow, like people are like fucking like pumped to go see Hamilton. I saw I went I was in Times Square, saw the ads for like all the, you know, twenty or whatever musicals that are that are back now. Um it was great. It felt good. You know what I like? Okay. Ask so, me again in six months if I ever want to go back there. Probably not, but it felt good to be there for one night. For me, Broadway is I I don't really like I don't dislike Broadway, but I, I would never put on a Broadway musical for my train ride to the city. You know what I mean? Sure. But sure. I will say, I'd much rather go see them live, which mm-hmm. makes sense, yeah. right? Because it's supposed to be seen live in a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for those of you guys who don't n- live in New York, you know, all the Broadway theaters are right there, sort of attached to Times Square in that whole area. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are, there's this like center of Broadway musical land, uh, which mm-hmm. is Midtown Manhattan. And I love going to Broadway shows. Yeah. That's when I like Broadway. Is actually going to a show because every time I come out of a Broadway show, I'm like, "Oh fuck, that's yeah. professional." Well, yeah. that's it's very professional. Yeah. Even if even at their worst, they're still amazing. You know, that's like this is the best of the best. Yeah, there you can catch Broadway theater shows all over the country: Philadelphia, Minnesota, uh, Chicago. They're great theater towns. But when you're on Broadway in New York City, that is the best of the best. On the yeah. in the world and it is competitive. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. it's tough, but I, it's yeah. I just think when you go out to like some random piano bar or something and you see some guy singing, oh yeah, he's like the third understudy for like some yeah. guy who has one line in this play, and you're like, okay, like that's the level we're yeah, dealing it, with. Well, it's it's interesting that Jim said uh, that his mom was a big Broadway fan and that they would go to Broadway shows growing up because he had the something in his house that I did not have growing up, and that is a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, culture. So, you know, what are you talking about? Pittsburgh's yeah. full of culture. Yeah, I mean, we, we would we would see uh, the Steelers do end zone celebrations. That is about as much dancing as we would watch in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. But moving to New York, I was always like, all right, let's embrace Broadway. And now being with Claudia, who is a very talented theater trained actress, uh, she's really opened the door for me. And, you know, like Scott said, I'm not listening to the Hamilton soundtrack on my way into work but I can respect the shit out of it. And it's like, I've gone to Broadway shows and like you said, Scott, I walk out of there. I'm just like, Oh, that was amazing. I remember we went to saw, we saw kinky boots and I was like going into it. My Pittsburgh was showing. I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this. I came out of that theater prancing. I was like, that show was amazing. I think we can all agree. We'd like to see you prance. Yeah. Oh, I can prance. So the first choice on here is actually mine.
So that's from the musical Hairspray, Hairspray, the musical, and that song is called You Can't Stop the Beat. Now, I have my own personal reasons why I put this on the playlist. Um, You're a big John Travolta fan. I am a big John Travolta fan. Well, that was the movie. I know. Um, But I'm actually going to call a special guest here. Ooh. Mm. Is that John Travolta? We're going to have a little special guest here on the the podcast. There we go. I feel like this is like... Live on the air. The Jerky Boys. (laughs) Hello. Welcome. uh, Heather Lindner. This is my wife. Hello, is this pinch, the Pinch Podcast? Yes, this is the Pinch Music Podcast located in Queens. Hello, you fuckers. <laughs> oh, my. I swear, I swear, right? Wow, I guess you're... Oh, if that was ever hey, Scott's you... wife. Hey, you fucking assholes. What is this, Avenue Q? Yeah, <laughs> this isn't Avenue Q, babe. That was a gym joke. Okay. Um, all right, so I just, I just played a snippet off Hairspray the Musical, and I wanted to call you... Because we actually know nothing about Broadway, to be perfectly transparent. And we wanted to call and have you explain Hairspray the Musical. Can you tell the listeners what this show is about and what it means? Yeah. Um, what song did you play? I played You Can't Stop the Beat. Oh, okay. Do you know what that's about? Apparently there was a beat that just kept going on and going on and going on. A beat that refuses to quit. Okay. So, um, I, when, I'll just tell you how Scott and I started talking about this. So, I, I love Broadway. I was a theater major in college. Um, I wish that I could sing like a Broadway star, but I can't, but I pretend to at home. So, I was super excited when I heard you guys were doing this podcast. And I asked Scott, what, which, which ones are you going to pick? And he was like, I don't know. Uh, maybe Hairspray, because I, you know, recorded the album. So I was like, that's really great. There's, you know, people think that Hairspray is just like this, like upbeat, you know, kind of fun, like peppy musical, but there's actually a lot of messages in in it and it's way deeper than you might think when you first hear it. So when you listen to You Can't Stop the Beat, it sounds like, oh, it's like the finale song and it's fun and the whole cast is singing and dancing, but it's actually the culmination of everything else that goes on throughout the show. So, um, the original Hairspray was a movie that was written by John Waters. You guys know John Waters? Oh, Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore. He's from Baltimore. He's like, um, he's a, he's, he's gay, so he's a gay rights activist. He was in an And he wrote kind of like really quirky movies and stuff like Cry Baby with Johnny Depp, Hairspray. So he wrote this and it came out as a film first before Broadway, I think in the 80s. And, um, it's actually about, uh, the whole show is actually about civil, civil rights, body positivity. Um, there's even like a, I think that there's even a part of like um, trans awareness in it because um, the main character, her name's Tracy Turnblatt. She's, she's an overweight teenage girl who loves to dance and sing. Her mom is always played. Her mom is really overweight also like great personality and everything her mom's always played by a man in the original movie it was a man playing her mom in the new movie it was john travolta playing her mom and in the show it was harvey fire firestein weinstein Weinstein? no harvey firestein firestein wait weinstein's (laughs) the bad guy yeah 
Oh shit! Har- sorry. Harvey oh, no, Firestein is the guy from Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm a Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So That's he good. plays Tracy Turnblad's mom in the original. I think in the yeah in the Broadway show actually Scott the one the album that you recorded he was the mom. Yes. So it's always a man playing that. So anyway, so tra- so the whole show is Tracy really wants to. She lives in Baltimore. She really loves this show. It's called like the Corny Collins Show or something, and it's this show that is um, all like popular white kids. Only white kids are allowed on it. It's like a dance show, kind of like um, what what was that like? Like not Soul Train. Soul Train is was there like a white version of that? Well, like, everyone's, like, dancing and stuff on the show. You guys know what I'm talking about? MTV Spring Break, 1999? Huh. White version. <laughs> no, like, in the 80s. Anyway. Oh, oh like whatever. Dick Clark. Like... Uh, top, top of the Pops? No, Dick Clark uh-huh. did um, Bandstand. Oh, yeah, American Bandstand. Yeah, American yeah. Bandstand. Yeah. Yes, like that. Yes. So there's this show, right? She wants to get onto it, and she's really good at dancing and singing, but... She has trouble getting onto it because she's overweight, and they think, "Oh, she's too fat for it." But she doesn't let it get her down, and she's she really wants to try to get on it. So that that's like the white show. Now, once a week, the the show lets black people have their chance at it, and they have it's called Negro Day, and they their host is a black woman, and that's when like the, all the black kids can get on and dance and stuff. They don't let anyone combine because back then it said in the sixties, you know, it was like shamed upon like to have black and white people together or like you know black and white people in relationships and stuff. So the whole show actually turns into Tracy realizing like she becomes friends with with some of these black kids because they accept her for who she is and. She accepts them for who they are, and they start protesting and fighting against this segregation on the show. And so there's, um, like, her best friend um, falls in love with um, a young black kid from the from the Negro Day show named Seaweed, and so, like, they kind of have to fight to, for, like, their love because it's, like, frowned upon. But there's a song in it that's one of my favorite songs. You should listen to it. It's called I Know Where I've Been, and it's sung by... The um, I can't remember her name. It's like Motor Motormouth Mabel or something like that. Is is the host of the Negro Day show, and she sings that. And it's all about civil rights because they they're singing it as they're protesting because they're like, no, we want the kids to be combined. We want to be combined on the show. It's really beautiful. It's all about like I know where I've been, where I've come from with like my rights and where I'm going. It gives me chills every time. Um. So they fight, and at the end of the movie or show, Broadway show, they all sing "You Can't Stop the Beat" together, and each person has like their own little like, "You can do whatever you want, you can say whatever you want, but you can't stop me. You can't stop the beat. You can't stop me from going on and doing what I'm gonna do." And Tracy sings like, "I love to dance. You can't stop me from doing that. I don't care what you think I look like." And then like the the kids who are in the interracial relationship are like, yeah, well, you can't stop me. And if you try, they actually say, if you try, I'll call the NAACP. <laughs> like, and it's really good. There's like so much more to it than you think. So, well, thank you so much you for that. Again, thank you so much for that riveting, riveting, uh, synopsis, synopsis. All right. Well, I'll see you later tonight. 
Okay, don't forget to buy the chicken. Yeah, I'm going to buy the chicken. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> well, that was my wife, and that was uh, interesting. Fun. It was a beautiful d- description of the hairspray. The re- I, I didn't know. I had no idea. I thought it was like a, like a campy Broadway show about a barber shop or something. Well, like the I, reason I, I put had it no idea. The reason I put it on the on the on the playlist was because I worked on this musical uh in Which, early 2000s. Yeah. I I it was a Grammy award winning musical. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the engineer. I was the assistant engineer. Um but I worked on it for a couple months and Mark Shaman, who's the guy who wrote the musical, mm. was on cocaine the whole time. Wow. And it was my uh Introduction to the New York cocaine, cocaine scene uh, of musicals in Broadway and uh, that sort of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting. He was, yeah. you know, editing all the vocals while cutting up lines of cocaine. That's amazing. Yeah, I love it. And also the production of and the production of Broadway musicals is really interesting because mm-hmm. um, you bring in the whole cast and it's, the entire thing is recorded in an afternoon. Because they come in and they just perform the show, you know? I mean, yeah. you have the whole cast in the studio, and you basically have four hours to record the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, are those like usually like a one-take situation? Yeah. yeah. They come in and they perform the that's show, just, and that's it. Yeah. You know, and usually it's they kill it. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. So it's 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 pretty incredible. Yeah. That's why they're on Broadway. I would love to let this next one play for a minute 20 if no one objects. You got it, buddy. How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman Dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean By providence impoverished and squalor Grow up to be a hero and a scholar the ten dollar founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being a self-starter by 14 they placed him in charge of a trading charter and every day while slaves were being slaughtered and carted away across the waves he struggled and kept his guard up inside he was longing for something to be a part of the brother was ready to beg steal borrow or barter then a hurricane came and devastation rained on man saw his future drip dripping down the train put a pencil to his temple connected to his brain and he wrote his first refrain a testament to his pain well the word got around they said this kid is insane man took up a collection just to send him to the mainland get your education don't forget from whence you came and the world's gonna know your name what's your name man alexander hamilton my name is alexander hamilton and there's a million things i haven't done but just you wait, just you wait. So that is Alexander Hamilton, of course, from the musical Hamilton. My opinion, greatest musical of all time. Ooh. Um, I think that's shared by a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, that's not a... It's not, it's not very not, original. Not a, not a controversial take, but it, it was also one where before I listened to the whole thing, I haven't seen it in person, unfortunately, but I did see the movie. Which is it's the, pretty good. The movie is just a recording of the of the show, which is filmed. Also, the filming of it is incredible. Um, I was just like, this is unreal. Um, Michelle Obama famously called it the greatest piece of art she had ever seen in her life of any art form. 
Um, but the show is obviously it's about Alexander Hamilton, but it's um, there's two things I really like about it that to me set it apart from other musicals. One, it's basically an opera. There is not spoken dialogue. The entire thing tells a very compelling, mostly true story through song completely. Um, even the way it's structured where they have like King George like off to the side, like sort of almost like narrating a side story about everything. Um, and then it's like it's extremely meta. It's it's all about America and New York City. So, you know, the American musical, the, people don't say this anymore, but traditionally you say the two quintessential American art forms are jazz and the American musical. This is all about America. It's also all about New York City. And they're singing this stuff that's all about New York. And I think when you're there, it's just like, wow, like there's a song about, oh, it's the greatest city in the world. And you're just there watching this amazing musical. Like, wow, this is the greatest city in the world. Um, But then beyond that, like the story itself is like, one, a mirror of maybe Lin-Manuel Miranda, this nerdy kid growing up in Washington Heights, being bullied, as we were discussed earlier, in a very, very tough neighborhood. By immortal technique. And, um, you know, growing up and getting into musical theater and becoming an extremely successful uh writer and performer first with in the heights um which he had some success with before this but then also the real like meta portion is about how it's like a a hip-hop musical because the story this is sort of how he he came up with the idea he read a biography about alexander hamilton and it's about this kid that was an orphan his mom was a prostitute he was, you know, adopted, and he lived in the in a Saint Croix, and came from nothing basically, and grew up, and basically made his way up to be George Washington's right hand man. Went on to be the first treasury, the secretary, was instrumental in like getting the Constitution ratified, wrote the Federalist Papers, and set pre- precedent for America that is like, st- you know, comes through to today, and he died he in a fucking shootout and he's just like huh badass aaron burr it sounds exactly like the plot of a mid-2000s rap song um and so he was playing with this this idea for years and it came out at the uh 2009 which is like six years before the musical came out white house poetry jam he came and he went up he says He's like, oh, I have a song about the guy who I really think embodies hip-hop, the first American Treasury Secretary, Alexander Hamilton. And everyone, like, laughs, and then he does this song. Wait, the Treasury of the Secretary? Treasury Secretary. Treasury... Secretary of the Treasury or Treasury Secretary. Oh, I thought you were saying it backwards. Oh. That's meta in itself. Yeah. I still don't understand meta. (laughs) Um... And then it was like, obviously, everyone was like blown away with what he did with that. It took this topic that should not be in a hip hop song, but really exempl- plays on the same themes as are in many hip hop songs. Yeah. Um, and this musical, yeah. it, it was really good. I've seen it. Nick, did yeah. you see it? I have not seen it. it um, it's really good. I mean, you can't go see that and not like enjoy yourself because it, yeah. it really is a, a good story and, and, and a good show. And it's probably what the highest most successful Broadway show of all time? I would imagine. I, I don't know if that's it, true. I don't know if it is yet, but if it will, it certainly will yeah. be. Are you sure it's not? It, it might I, be the highest grossing with, with modern ticket prices. Yeah, it just hasn't been on. But something long. like Cats or 
chorus line that ran for like a thousand years. I mean, Phantom Story. I've seen Cats. I've seen Phantom of the Opera. I've seen Wicked. I've seen. Yeah, I've never uh, seen any of those. I've seen Twelve Angry Men. That's not a musical. That's not a musical. Though. Oh, <laughs> but it's on Broadway. Um, yeah, I, I I've never seen it, and I normally when I see hip hop being used in the mainstream culture and stuff, I roll my eyes. But mm-hmm. listening to the soundtrack, I'm like, mm-hmm. it's good. It's yeah. that's talented rapping. Like mm-hmm. that's just good hip hop. So it's also not we, just hit. Like they do very intentionally blend it with. American musical style music. And I mean, we actually listen to Hamilton a lot on like car rides. Yeah. And you can actually listen from top to bottom and it's just a story. Yeah. It's like a book on yeah. tape. Yeah. Yeah. It's not your typical Broadway. Because uh, we can bring mm-hmm. this up as throughout yeah. the show, but it's like, you know, when you listen to Broadway, it's its own thing. It's its own genre. It's its own lane. When you listen to someone who's like a, a theater kid singing, they sound a certain way. It's not pop music, it's its own thing. And sometimes I, you know, you listen to it and it's like, all right, I get it. You're, (laughs) geez, you're just so, you're so intense with your vocals, but it's its own world. It's its own world. Yeah, I'm in the middle of the room, just gonna sing. Sing, It's like, all right, Um, we get it. But Hamilton's not like that. Hamilton's like just good music. Yeah. But I think that's the other thing you say you listen to it on tape because, like I said, the whole thing, there's no dialogue. So if you listen to the soundtrack, you hear the whole thing. You, you get the whole play, which I think is part of what made it big and made people excited to see it. They're like, wow, like this, I already know this is good before, before I've even seen it. Once upon a time there was a railroad line. Don't ask where, brother, don't ask where. It was the road to hell. It was hard times. It was a world of gods and men. That is Andrew DeShield's Road to Hell from Town, And this is a musical that I did see. I took Claudia to see this a couple years back. And it absolutely blew my mind musically. As you could hear, they have a uh, New Orleans jazz band on stage the entire time. And the music is just incredible. The play is really good. The story is really good. The acting is really good. But just the music of this is unbelievable and then the, mm. the, the new orleans jazz sound to it just fits the whole overall story obviously hadestown is kind of like the you know the underground and you know the the voodoo culture or what you of what you will with the uh new orleans style and i just put this on because it it's one of the shows that i've seen live that absolutely blew my mind like it was i saw it and i couldn't stop talking about it I'm like, hey, have you seen Hadestown? Oh my god, the music is so good. Like for a week afterwards, and I was like, all right, yeah, we get it. You saw it. It's like, it's just awesome. It I don't was, think I've heard it. It's awesome. The music is incredible in this. It's I mean because it's New Orleans style jazz, mm. and it's just really, really good. And the, and the play itself was good, or the musical itself was good. The actual storyline was was really uh, well done as well. But musically speaking, I haven't I haven't gone to a live performance 
concert or anything and walked out of the performance as high as I did when I walked out of Hadestown and just hearing that music. It was just, I was like dancing in my seat. It was, in, it was just awesome. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. So I mean, that's, it's, it's about all I have with this. It's, uh, it's a really good show. The music is fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Dancing for my own enjoyment. That ain't it, kid. That ain't it, kid. Dance 10 looks 3. It's like to die. Left the theater and called the doctor for my appointment to buy tits and ass. Bought myself a fancy pair. Tightened up the derriere. Did the nose with it. All that goes with it. Tits and ass. Had the bingo bungos done. Suddenly I'm getting national tour. Unless they're yours Didn't cost a fortune either Didn't hurt my sex life either Flat and sad This is uh, off the chorus line soundtrack A chorus line And uh, the song is Dance 10 Looks 3 To give you an idea of the uh, show itself I'm going to read a description Because I don't really know much about these things, and this is uh, the best way to go about it. Hundreds of hopefuls, hopefuls congregate at a cattle call for Broadway dancers. A sour director, Zach, who is played by Michael Douglas in the movie, and his brusque, brusque assistant. Is that a word? What? Brusque? 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 Yeah, sure. Uh, like- whittle down the ranks until they're left with 16 dancers. All tell their their life stories, some tragic, some comic, and explain their love of dance. Hmm. Question for you guys: Have you seen the movie? <laughs> no, no. So I'm, when, I'm not so, familiar with this one at all. A chorus line? Yeah. So when I I was growing up, uh, my dad was big into Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. He was a big yeah. Broadway guy. Uh, so uh, this would be playing in the house a lot. And I was young, right? Mm-hmm. So eight, nine, ten years old. Same, probably around the same age as Henry is now, my older son. And I remember this song pr- very uh, profoundly. Is that mm-hmm. the right word? Yeah. Because can you guys guess why? Because you love the phrase "tits and ass." That's right. Because yeah. it was tits and ass. And I remember yeah. watching the movie, and it's played by I think it's Bernadette Saint- Bernadette, Bernadette Peters. Bernadette Peters. Yeah. Is it? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I mean that—that's that, a. Can famous, you fact check that for me, Broadway uh, robot from boy? Eighties and nineties. And uh, I remember always hearing tits and ass, and in the movie it was sexy. It was like, oh, tits and ass. Oh my god! And I was like ten years old, thinking, wait, tits. I like that. Did you? Did, hmm. did you know what tits and ass were at the time? And I actually ref. I did. It was kind of my discovery into tits and ass, and I and I and I and I bring that music up a lot now. Where I'm like, tits and ass, and people look at me and they're like, you can't say that. I'm like, no, it's from the musical. Yeah, it's part of the show. Is it not Bernadette Peters? Um, no, it doesn't look like Allison Reed, perhaps? Huh. Why did I think it was Bernadette Peters? I don't know. I think it was. She's I'm not, not seeing in anything She's in, in the movie? movie. I'm not seeing her on the All right, maybe, the maybe in my mind it was always Bernadette yeah. Peters, because I liked her from the movie The Jerk. Hmm. You guys ever see that movie? Oh my god! Can we do a? How can um, we do a, a podcast, a music oh podcast man. about that movie? That's I, such a good movie. Well, I'm, I wonder what the soundtrack's like to that movie. 
when she plays, they're on the beach, and they're like, he's playing a little ukulele. Yeah. And, there's, and all of a sudden, she just pulls out a trumpet out of nowhere and starts playing it. How hilarious is that? And that's just one of the that's one it's just one of the best scenes in a comedy. She just pulls out a trumpet and starts playing it. It's, it's fantastic. But anyways, this let's get back on track here. I can talk about Steve Martin all day long. But that's like one of those classic. I think the Chorus Line is one of the most successful Broadway shows. Um, and it must have been when did Broadway start? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, wow. I mean, that's gotta. Uh-huh. I mean, I hmm. would have to assume it came from like the vaudeville days, right? I don't know. I have no idea. That's I, a good question. I, yeah, I have no idea. That's a that's this is where we should have hmm. guests on who actually know. I'm saying about it looks like it really goes back to way back to the late 1700s at theater and in, in the theater district. But really? really, it looks like what we sort of think of as it now, uh, 1890s, early 1900s. Wow, wow, that's actually older than I thought. Yeah. That is that's pretty good. What were the first shows? Like, hey, baby. I mean. They're, sure, they're kind of like a lot of the early shows are like I think like they're not great like they're not really performed anymore but they a lot of great music comes out of them um, you know they're by artists you know like Gershwin who we're about to talk about yeah I mean Jim mm-hmm. you're dropping a lot of knowledge yeah. and a lot of tidbits on us so why don't we just get yeah. right into our favorite part of this show a live read with Tidbit Jim In the early years of the 20th century, translations of popular late 19th century continental operettas were joined by the Princess Theater shows of the 1910s by writers such as P.G. Wodehouse, Guy Bolton, Harry B. Smith, and Victor Herbert whose work included some of the intimate musical plays with modern settings as well as his string of famous operettas. Wonderful. That was lovely. That was lovely, Jim. It's that, been too long. It, that yeah. was nice. That was, that can was... you do, can you tell us about the uh, the pick that you put on there? Um, well, it's uh, Rhapsody in Blue by Gershwin, who's obviously one of the great American composers, known especially for that song, bridging the gap between classical music um and jazz. He also wrote music um, and lyrics by his brother Ira for a lot of the early American musicals, which are not necessarily great plays, but much great music came out of them. Um, and I think that's exemplified in the in the next pick. Yeah, you know what's you know what's we talked about this earlier, but you know what's kind of kind of cool about. Broadway fans like the theater the theater kids that you like to call they're obsessed like once you're in this yeah like you heard it in my wife right you once you're in it you're in it you are obsessed about it so I mean it's just like it's one of those things but you know we actually have a podcast here on the network on Paperhouse Network it's called Rep Your Squad it's about anyone who's a big fan of everything and they want to rep their own squad but you know what don't take my word for it take it away Chris Hey, this is an ad. Don't fast forward. Be over in a second. Are you obsessed with a sports team, a band, or even collecting Chia Pets? Then listen to my new podcast, Rep Your Squad, on Paperhouse Network, where I dive into what drives people crazy. So if you're a 40-year-old man with a stand collection, or a middle-aged woman who loves the Spice Girls, that's cool. We don't judge here on Rep Your Squad with me, Chris Scopo. See? It's over. 
forward to 55. I Got Rhythm uh, by George Gershwin again and performed by Judy Garland. Obviously, this song has hundreds, maybe thousands of of covers, um, including in a sort of revival of Girl Crazy called Crazy For You in the early 90s. Um, But I want to put this one on because, again, this is how I was talking about Gershwin bridging the gap between classical and jazz he also bridges the gap between jazz and the American musical, which, as we said earlier, traditionally are called the two unique American art forms. Not really in the modern sense of how we think of art, but traditionally that's what people would say. They're the two American art forms. And I Got Rhythm is basically, at that time, became, it was from a musical, sort of, I don't know if I'd call this an obscure musical. It wasn't like some smash hit. But this song was huge, and it became basically the jazz standard. There's many jazz standards. This became kind of the one you would have to know to get up at, like, an open jam and get up there with your trumpet. You'd have to know how to play through the changes of I Got Rhythm. And there are so many cool, amazing versions of I Got Rhythm where you're listening to it. You might be listening to it for a minute. You're like, wait, holy shit, is this I Got Rhythm? Um, And just became this sort of, like, meme in jazz almost. Well, that's also... uh an interesting point that you bring up that it became the the jazz standard but you know this time this time frame you know when you listen to music purely on radio a lot of broadway songs were the pop hits like oh, yeah. that is what you would listen to like i i believe you know hello dolly and oklahoma they were like they weren't just popular on broadway they were popular throughout the country they were you know the top of the charts because of the success that they were on Broadway, I mean, I think uh, mm-hmm. I can't think of his name. I think it was Dizzy Gillespie, perhaps. Mm-hmm. He finally he finally got a number one hit after the Beatles were taking over the charts, and he finally got a number one hit. Um, I think it was with Hello Dolly. I could be wrong. This, I, I did, well, I, Hello no, 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 that's uh, Dolly. Um, Louis Armstrong. Yeah, Louis Armstrong. Louis is Armstrong. Hello Dolly. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were gonna say uh, Dizzy had did this song. Yeah, the yeah. Big Dizzy, hit with, okay, with yeah, I got rhythm. Dizzy did this one. Louis Armstrong had Hello Dolly, which finally. They took over uh, the Beatles on the charts. So Broadway musicals have always been like looked up to as what's popular in the world. So I think mm-hmm. that's just an inter- it's an interesting little little fact about yeah. the songs themselves. Yeah. And we also got Judy Garland in here, which is, I mean, I mean, she's an American hero. It's yeah, she's her voice is so crazy. It's so good, as well as her daughters. Don't you understand? Friend, either you're closing your eyes to a situation you do not wish to acknowledge, or you are not aware of the caliber of disaster indicated by the presence of a pool table in your community. Well, you got trouble, my friend. Right here, I say trouble right here in River City. Why, sure, I'm a billiard player, certainly mighty proud to say I'm always mighty proud to say it. 
I consider that the hours I spend with a cue in my hand are golden. Help you cultivate horse sense and a cool head and a keen eye. Did you ever take and try to find an ironclad lead for yourself from a three-rail billiard shot? But just as I say, it takes judgment, brains, and maturity to score in a balk line game. I say that any boob can take and shove a ball in a pocket. And I call that sloth the first big step on the road to the depths of degradé. I say first... That's Robert Preston performing You Got Trouble from the Music Man. And, you know, we talked about Hamilton and how it's use of hip-hop, but a lot of people like to credit that this song and this musical was the first to ever have rapping in a Broadway play. And, you know, it's not what you would think of quote-unquote rap, but that's for sure kind of what Robert Preston's doing in that in that play right there. So, yeah, the, the, the Music Man is credited for being the first rap on Broadway, which is kind of cool. It's a, it's a decent song. And, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. isn't this kind of the basis of the uh, monorail episode of The Simpsons? Oh, when 100%. When they're co- on the the scene in The Music Man where, where all the salesmen are on the train and they're kind of like talking smack about um, uh, about The Music Man. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, this is uh, I feel like monorail. I, 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 I kind of know nothing about any of this. Yeah? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's, oh, the, it, the music man's great. It, like it holds up. It's it's a funny movie. Like, it's, and the end of it when all the, are you, you're familiar with it, Nick? I know. I'm a little bit. At the end, he's he's basically a con man. Yeah. He goes. He's a sells musical instruments to towns, and then he says, "Oh, your kid's going to be a great trombone player or whatever." And then he doesn't do. You know, he's terrible. He doesn't know. He knows he can't play. He doesn't know anything about music, and he's basically teaching fake music lessons to these kids selling them instruments and then the final scene is they have to give a concert and they can't play but all the parents are like oh it's my little timmy and he sounds so wonderful and it's it's that's just the joke and everyone like loves him anyway because their kids are up there on stage but that's kind of the truth though that's kind of actually what happens yeah exactly yeah no one ever says hey these kids stink yeah yeah everyone's like oh but i mean they're expected to be bad so i think that's Mm -hmm. okay yeah. Well, maybe we should raise the expectations. <laughs> it won't be. You'll think it's strange When I try to explain how I feel That I still need your love After all that I've done You won't believe me All you will see Is a girl you once knew Although she's dressed up to the nines At sixes and sevens with you I had to let it happen I'm trying to get to the chorus, okay? I had to change <laughs> I, I mean, where is it? My mad existence for the love of How far God. in are we right now? Three minutes? Wow. What a build. Yeah. 
Did I miss something? Where the hell no, is I it? I think that's, that's how they get it. There it is. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, but Jesus. Took four minutes Don't to get it. All right, guys, we made it. That is uh, (laughs) Vida, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. That's Andrew Lloyd Webber as well. Um, I put this on the playlist because my father was a huge Evita fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed the thread here, but my uh, dad liked Broadway musicals uh, quite and, a lot. And Whitney Houston. And Whitney Houston and Celine Dion. You know, but mm. not to cut you off, but I just had a great idea. You know what we should do an episode on? Madonna. That's a good idea. Oh, maybe, maybe is that next week? I think it's next week. Yeah. We're going to do an episode on Madonna. Yeah, next yeah. Week, uh, Madonna. So stay tuned, everybody. Um, but... Um, he used to play this so loud in the house at 6 a.m. He would w- This is how he would wake us up. Well, sometimes he'd wake us up with a bell, like a cowbell, like at 6 a.m. Wow. Ding, 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 ding. You have to be the first on the lift. Ding, ding, ding. Like a ski lift, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so he'd wake us up with the bell. Sometimes he'd wake us up with a Vita hmm. uh, singing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, at the loudest volume you could possibly imagine. And hmm. now, when I my uh, alarm in the morning, can you guess hmm. what it is? This? Don't cry for me, Argentina. Wow. You know, I wake up to Belvita, the little delicious snack crackers. Hmm. Really? I'm just trying to make a joke here. I don't know. <laughs> you eat uh, Belvita in the Bel- morning? Belvitas are, are delicious. They're not noom friendly, so I stopped eating them. But... Did, so that's actually true. Yeah. Hmm. You did actually wake up and eat Belvita. Yeah. You ever had those? They're like little crackers? They're like you get like not, five of them in a pack? Not after waking up in the morning. Yeah, they're good for breakfast. Okay. Well, anyway, um, Avita is a story of um, Argentinian someone who came in and was like, hey, I'm going to be the president's wife, yeah, and then the, did some crazy shit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually based on a true person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a musical uh, with the music by Andrew Lloyd Webber and lyrics by Tim Rice. Oh, it Tim con- Rice, it, wow. Yeah, it concentrates on the life of Argentine political leader Eva, Eva Perón. Uh, the second wife of Argentine President Juan Perón. Oh. Uh, the fo- the story follows Evita's early life, rise to power, charity work, and death. Wow. All right. It's amazing how professionally you memorize that yeah. uh, information, Scott. And it's not the uh, the last time we'll be talking about Mr. Weber. Or Rice. So that is, of course, The Circle of Life from The Lion King um, by, well, this is an interesting thing here. So what we heard, obviously, you know, the song is by Elton John and Tim Rice lyrics. Um, but do you guys know who did the um, the score music for The Lion King? The Broadway show? No, the, well, f- or the animation. the actor for, 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 for the move for the movie who did the score music. No Trent, idea. Trent One of the most famous score composers, Hans Zimmer. Oh, Hans Zimmer, inventor of the attitude. Yeah, mentor of attitude. 
I don't know what that means, I but um, either. I don't know. It's the first thing that came to my mind, and, guys. Okay. No, but he, didn't he do but Star if, Wars if, and shit? No, that's no, that's uh, Williams. Williams. Um, Hans Zimmer did. Um, he did Batman. Yeah. Um, and, um, it's just a name you know, right? True yeah. Romance. It's fucking Hans Zimmer. But, he did the theme, the True yeah. Romance. But he does like the, all the famous like driving, like repetitive, percussive, sort of complicated rhythm music that's in oh, every modern movie. Um, but if you listen to Lion King score, you'll get it. You're like, oh yeah, that's definitely Hans Zimmer. Um, and uh, but I'm mentioning him because the intro is not really by Elton John and Tim Rice. Um, it's sort of a collaboration between Hans Zimmer and Lebo M, who is a um, South African composer, and it's sung in Zulu. Mm. Um, and to me, I think when I was a when I was a kid, um, you know, seeing the movie and and the musical as well, I didn't really like feel that part. And now I like I'm like that's like the best part of the Lion King is just that opening. It's like, have you seen the musical? Yeah, I've oh never seen God. it. It's Dude, how um, the opening. Sorry, it's how uh, Penn State opens up every game because they're the Lions. Oh really? So we're, that's we're, awesome. We're the I hate here. Penn State, but I like them a little uh, more now. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty cool. Uh, the opening to this musical is like it's just awesome to be there. They this 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 one woman goes on stage, starts singing this like uh, acapella. And then, you know, all the, the rest of it comes in and all these people in these amazing costumes of like giraffes and uh, hyenas and lions, zebras start coming down the aisles of of the theater. And they're all like walking past you. And it's some of the best like costumes in musical theater ever. It's, I think it's a big reason the play has run forever. Um, I really hate when they come into the audience. I, you know when they break the third wall or whatever the fuck? It's not really like fourth that, wall. though. It's not the, really the, like that. The fourth wall is important. There's a reason the fourth wall is there. Because I don't want to be in the show. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not like that. They're not coming up to the audience. It's just, But it feels like the whole theater is being used the for the performance. The only person that can break the fourth wall properly oh, God. is Ferris Bueller. And Matthew Broderick is one of the best Broadway actors of all time. In fact, I sat across from him and Nathan Lane at Hurley Saloon one night, and I was like, oh my God, that's Matthew Broderick, Ferris Bueller's having a drink, because they were doing the producers. Anyways, can I admit one of the dumbest things that's ever happened to me? Yes. yes. The, the time I realized something. So, obviously, The Lion King was a animated movie. That's how everyone mm-hmm. knows. It's a Disney animated movie. And then they made it into a Broadway musical. One day I was, it was like the like year number two. I was in New York. I was on the subway. And I'm staring at the, the 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 uh, subway ad for the Lion King, and it, I'm like looking at it, and it finally dawned on me, like, holy shit, that's people. Like people are actually acting as the cartoon animals, and I like never put that together. Like, I never had a reason to think that, but I was like, I like looked around and I was smiling at myself like, oh man, I never put that together. I, I don't like, understand. It's. What do you mean? I Every time someone had ever said, hey, I'm going to go see The Lion King on Broadway, I naturally just pictured the cartoon. What? I just, I don't know. Just never, I didn't care enough to actually, oh, cool. Yeah. What do you Simba. mean? They, that like you thought they were playing it on a movie no, screen? No, I didn't think. I didn't think. I didn't think you said I'm going to see the Lion King. I quickly was like, I know that cartoon, and then I moved on with my day. Like and you then, thought they were cartoon characters like, on I've the seen stage. That. I didn't like think you think you've any, seen it. Yeah, like I yeah. didn't think anything. I didn't picture like yeah. the actual thing. I was like, 
Oh, I'm going to see Lion King on Broadway. Okay, I got the cartoon. I feel I'm like that's on. that's like a thought that's like so deep in your subconscious that yeah. like that's the thought you're going to think of before you die. That that's was, the that's the last thought you're going to have. You're going to go, I can't believe it was real people, and then <laughs> yeah, you're out. That's, that's what I, I'm saying. It's like one of those moments. Like, um, oh my god, god, yeah, of course it would be. I never even like thought of that, and I was like, it's hard to share that because it's like that's really dumb. That I don't think it's dumb. I think that's just subconscious, like weird neurological reality things you know what i mean yeah yeah like i feel like i'm tripping right now just from you saying that to me sweet is the overture from Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Phantom of the Opera and I put this on for a couple reasons a how iconic is that intro just you hear that you're holy like holy shit oh, that holy shit gets you buddy yeah. Yeah. and it's perfect to listen to this time of year it's October we're getting into Halloween season this has got that definitely spooky season vibe to it but according to a lot of people Andrew Lloyd Webber has been ripping off people more so than Led Zeppelin. If you know this, if you hear this song, I, I say that just to get under Scott's skin. Uh, this song apparently is a ripoff of Pink Floyd's Echoes. Which is a 26-minute song. Well, it's one side of a Which vinyl. is one of my favorites. I've never heard this. Roger you could Wa- probably pick something out of Echoes. You could be like, yeah. oh, that's an Echoes. Well, Roger Waters says, he's like, it's the same thing. It's the same time signature. It's the same structure. It's the same notes. A lot of people, I mean, this isn't the first time Andrew Lloyd Webber has been accused of plagiarism. But this song in particular? Yes, yeah, so in Echoes, he says that's... And so I went and tried to hear it in Echoes, and I don't... I definitely know what part he's yeah, referring to. Yeah, I get it. But I, 90% I of the time, I reject the idea, oh, this is plagiarism. It's like, this is how music and art works. Yeah, you, totally. You take ideas from and other people. I know Echoes intimately, and I don't hear that shit. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, you yeah. You know what part it is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. But the, And that's the thing. I think the... the but defense, that's not that, this is not that obscure of defense, a progression. So I think know? what yeah. happens is that Andrew Lloyd Webber takes obscure like classical pieces and then puts them into his compositions of the musicals. And he does it so much that people are like, dude doesn't have a creative bone in his body. However, like what Jim said, if he takes something and then makes it his own, like he takes an idea of it and then puts it into his piece of work and makes it something a little bit different, then it's just what's the, there's a thin line between plagiarism and inspiration. What did Einstein say? Like, E equals just, MC square? No, he was like, just steal shit or something. Oh, this is a, I think it's a fake Andy Warhol quote, which is like, good artists copy, great artists steal. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know who really said it, though. Einstein. 
Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. I think yeah. it was Einstein. Forrest Whitaker? <laughs> Forrest Whitaker, oh. the king of Scotland? <laughs> <laughs> the last one, in yeah. fact. Well, guys, we made it. Broadway. Rent is actually one of the biggest ones as well. Is, how don't you love this the song? The AIDS one. Yeah. How so, don't you love this song? It's a good song. 20,000 minutes and shit like that, right? The high school, my high school choir would close their final concert every year with this. So I have mixed feelings. It is a great song. And in the office period, one of Michael's last day. Look, I respect Broadway. I respect everything. It's you know what what it is. But I'm just not the hugest Broadway guy. But I can respect it. You know. But it's tough for me to do an episode on music that I'm not super passionate about because I feel like a fraud. Yeah, I get that. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And I think we all were we were all kind of hesitant to do it, but all three of Jim us... Jim wasn't. Jim's actually legitimately a Broadway well, fan. Two of us were a little hesitant because I, we didn't feel like we knew exactly what we were talking about, but all three of us respect it and like it. We all said we when we go to a show, we walk out of there, it's like, wow, this is the best of the best. So if you've never gone to a Broadway musical, you're missing out on an art form that is top-notch, best in the world... I highly recommend come to New York, go to a Broadway show, go to an off-Broadway show. I mean, that's how good it is in this city. That's not only is it good on Broadway, but the theater's little off-Broadway are incredible, too. So come on into New York, go to a Broadway show, and when you're done, when you come to a comedy show, check out the NewYorkComedyClub.com for tickets and schedules. Like us on shit and leave us a review on shit as well. Do it up. Big shout out to Emmanuel. Thank you. Shout out to Emmanuel for leaving a nice review for us. And XO1001XXX. See you next week. Madonna's next week. Madonna. In truths that she learned, or in times that he cried, in bridges he burned, or the way that she died. Paper House.